drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slade's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, caught, touchdown to Torbeyer, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown to Twin Lions. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on everybody? Uh, Big Friday in the house. Uh, Me and Grifka, we had a crazy Wednesday show. I mean, we talked about um, on Johnson going on IR. Man, we had Quandre Diggs had just got dealt to Seattle for a fifth round pick. I mean, I hate to to go back to it, but we... uh, we just have to. Hey, Bob Quinn. What the hell are you doing? Um, you know, we're recording a bit early here, so maybe we will know by this point uh, when you're listening to this. But uh, Grifka, it's a Friday, man. We're talking Lions football. How are you, buddy? Oh, man, it's Friday. This is fall weather is in full swing. I think we're past all the Indian summer stuff, and it's all like mid to low 50s with rain. And But TGIF. That's a Grifco weather update, everybody, and his favorite four uh, initials, or I guess it's an acronym, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Grifka gets us started off right here on a Friday. Grifka, I'm out of breath, man, after all this stuff been going down with the Detroit Lions. What the heck's going on this uh, week on a Friday? What are we talking about? Like you said, maybe we're just waiting to hear if something, another shoe's going to drop, you know, with them trading digs. You know, maybe they're using this fifth-round piss that, pick as another chess piece you know to like make another deal to get somebody else and maybe like by the time people are hearing this we already know what's going to happen but um that's starting to make me think um you know you uh have you know like yourself you know you you've you've fallen out of favor with calvin johnson you know thinking he quit i was talking with somebody not too long ago about barry sanders and he's still over the barry sanders he's still not over the barry sanders quit, quitting when he didn't announce him to the team he's just like you don't do that right before training camp from london and it's like dude get over it for pete's sake he's back with the team and stuff so gosh get over it so um it, it started to make me think you know with everything that kind of went down and i'm sure you read like i'm sure you saw the tweets like from some of the players like darius slay and you know snacks harrison and you know, after Quandre Diggs. And because one of the beefs was, because I don't know, did you happen to read the article in Sports Illustrated by Calvin Johnson? Did, did you happen to read that? Do you think I read that, Grifka? I'm guessing no. But it's, it's, yeah, um, it's a no. <laughs> right. So, uh, but I'm surprised. It said, wasn't by Dave Burkett. He actually talks to other people. Yeah. 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 It was, I don't know if it was a ghostwriter, if he wrote it himself, I'm not for sure, but I still like Calvin Johnson. Um, it was one of those things where it's kind of like the same thing that the Barry Sanders autobiography seemed. It seemed like there was always a disconnect between like the front office and the coaching staff. And I, I'm starting to wonder if this was like another one of those things with Quandre Diggs and maybe somebody that's been on the team for a while, a la Matt Stafford, you know, I realized he got a couple years left on his contract and we were talking maybe by cap casualty. Do you think Matt Stafford may, may, may end up pulling like a Calvin Johnson and a Barry Sanders and just maybe after this year thinking, you know, 
he doesn't want to go through another one of these, you know, you know, I don't want to say lack of a term rebuild, but if he, he doesn't want to wait for the, the build to be finished, do you think he might pull a Calvin Johnson or a Barry Sanders? Oh, yeah. Grifka. It only seems appropriate. Is this a real question? Really? Yeah. Cause it actually really made me think about it because, uh, I mean, what, last year he played with broken back. You know, wait for it. He had a broken back. Allegedly. Allegedly, thank you. Um, and if it's one of those things, like, if he thinks they're trained away, you know, you know, talent, you know, for, you know, for draft picks, and you might not want to hang around for that. But, yeah, it's a real question. I want to get your thoughts on this. Do so you think Matt Stafford's not that type of guy? Oh, boy. Where do I start with this one? First of all, Grifka... It's been well documented, and it's pretty easy to say. Barry Sanders was a quitter, but I respect him just because not only uh, that he he hid in his cave for decades and never came out. You never heard, you know, a lot of negative stuff from him. But he was just done playing the game of football and did not play for another team, didn't uh, rag on the team, didn't, uh, I don't know, show up in Raiders gear. Um, I didn't see him opening any uh, any uh, Mary Joanna plants anywhere. He just kind of hid in the Barry Sanders cave, which we don't know where that is. But I respect the man for doing that. Now, of course, he's come out of the cave because Martha and others decided to pay Barry. And anytime you pay Barry, he comes out and promote your your product or talks you know if you if you cut the check we we all know this uh, my big issue with calvin is because he quit said he was beat up they took a little bit of money which was very negligible he talked about it to dave briquette then he talked about it to dave briquette then he came back for his kids camp and oh he talked about it with dave briquette again so, yeah, I've got much more issues with how Calvin did it, why he did it, and the continued saga of it. But when you're talking about Matt Stafford, here's here's my what is probably going to be conceived by a lot of people as kind of a hot take. First of all, the front office, it's not their job to come down and pat everybody on the ass, as you would say, and check with them. And, and what, what do you think? You know, are you going to be OK with this? Like, we really don't want to anger anybody. It's Bob Quinn and the personnel's job to bring in the best football players that they think, you know, fit this team, will help this team win. Now, are they right all the time or even, you know, in in a lot of our situations with other regimes, right even some of the time? Not always. But I respect a front office that does what they feel is right, deals with the repercussions. And... If Matt Stafford in this part of his career said, I've had enough and I want to go take care of my wife and be there with his three kids, I, I, I'd feel more on the Barry side. I, I wouldn't really care as long as he doesn't run down, doesn't do six interviews about how, like, you know, oh, they didn't check with me and I'm the quarterback and, like, how could they do this to me? I was sick of losing. My back hurt a little bit. If he just went away. And we got the money back and could move forward as an organization. No big issues. But one, I don't think Matt Stafford, the kind of player, but but as, as angry as the fan base is, as much as I played the drop on Wednesday, which is still fun to play. What the hell are you doing? Like as much as we can still say that, as much as Bob Quinn and, and any GM in the NFL doesn't owe anybody 
an explanation. Is it nice when he steps to the podium and says like, so-and-so, you know, we moved on. They give you these big vanilla answers. Or they maybe even give you a little insight. I think it was like breaking news a couple of days ago that Bill Belichick actually gave a halfway, like what people thought was an honest answer to something. It was like breaking news on the bottom line of every news channel, but it's nice when they do that, but they don't owe it. So I just totally fall under this thing of even when I'm upset, I'm thinking like, you know, the front office doing what they think. You also got to sort of, as I often preach on the show, be patient, wait and see what happens. A lot of times we get all up in arms in the front or the middle of the story. And we haven't even seen what the, what the finale or the ending is. And that's usually the best part of every book, movie, whatever it may be. <laughs> so, you know, uh, to sum up my answer, it's like the front office doesn't owe Matt Stafford, Calvin, or Barry anything. The players, you know, to, to some degree, don't owe the organization anything. If you want to get up and walk away, that's your decision. But don't expect you to walk away and us still pay you every dime. I think that's crazy when organizations do that. And, uh, and yeah, I just – I'm always going to be a fan of this team regardless, uh, even if I'm thinking the griff could drop in my head of what the heck are you doing. Um and uh, and we just see how it shakes out. For 50-some years, it hasn't shaked out well. And the people that like to bash the team, bash the GM, you know, back up all the players, you know, have won that argument. But I think it'll come to a day where we're sitting back going, look at all that cutthroat stuff they did. Look at all those players they brought in that fit the scheme. And a few years later, like, it finally comes to fruition. And we're winning at a good level, at a consistent level. And we can sit there and say, Huh. It's it's all in color now, where for years it was in black and white. So I hope so. And I don't think number nine is the kind of guy to hang it up. But in the next couple of years, if he did, I wouldn't hold it against him as long as he didn't uh, didn't drag the team through the mud. I think that's kind of where it's got ugly with uh, with other individuals. So that's that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Um, get the bell out. I, I'm in agreement with you. And uh, I'm just um, hoping it's uh, if he does do that. And it doesn't seem like, you know, like you said, he doesn't seem like that type of guy. If it's one of those things he kind of maybe put stuff in perspective, you know, with his, his wife's brain tumor and, you know, having twins. If it's one of those things like, you know, I've you know given a lot to this game. I'm just ready to walk away. If that's the way he was at the end of this year, a la, I don't know, Andrew Luck or something like that. I know that's not why the exact reason why Andrew Luck said that. But, you know, I could respect that as long as, you know, you don't go back and start just bad mouthing your former employer. That's like going to a job interview and then like, well, why are you leaving your last job? Well, they suck. They didn't care. You know, but just don't do that. You know, you know, have some respect, just leave, you know, they paid you handsomely and you left, you know, your blood, sweat and tears on the field. So, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat you are with that. And real quick, just so I get it right. Cause you brought up Andrew Luck. I remember going on a pretty, pretty long rant about Andrew Luck and how he was, he was leaving all his offensive linemen and people that are beating their heads against the wall high and dry. I guess to me, it's a, it's a delineation. Like players are there for players, right? They should have each other's back. They should fight tooth and nail for each other. Like Matt Stafford could care less about Bob Quinn, but it sort of shouldn't totally like mess up that relationship. Like Bob Quinn can still bring in players and not be liked by certain players. It shouldn't impact. But like, if you don't like your, your starting right guard and you're the, uh, you know, the center or the tackle, like that's, that's not only an issue. Or if you just walk up and leave, like, yeah, you owe something to those guys in the locker room, I think. But I don't know that it works that way between GM and player. You know, it's kind of two different realms. Players do their thing. 
GMs try to bring in the best players and they sort of live in their own separate world. So just so I get that straight, because I know people will be like, man, okay, you had a big deal with Andrew Luck walking away. Yeah. Cause he walked away with what, like a, a leg calf injury and some other injuries acting like his other players weren't killing themselves every day either. So I guess that's why I had a beef uh, with him and just what he did to his players. Not like, Hey, you left the GM high and dry. The GM's probably like, man, I got like a hundred million now to use on whatever else to make this team good. So anyway, um, okay. uh, one other quick question before we get into the game. Um, it, the Lions, you know, we they've lost three in a row. Is there a certain record that you, you believe that Matt Patricia has to hit for him not to be on the hot seat and, you know, worry about his job? Or do you think he's okay even through this year, you know, even if they finish with maybe like, you know, five or six wins? I don't know. I mean, to me, it's, you know, everybody – flips out every week in the NFL is huge. You've heard me say that a million times. You hear me say, you know, anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday, all that type of stuff. But I'm not, I'm not overreactionary when it comes to team building. Cause like, if you saw my fantasy teams, I sit there and I think the guy's a talent. I'm not just cutting him cause he had a, a few bad weeks or he's got an injury that's lingering. I'm hanging on to the talent. Like I feel I do the same thing with our head coach and our GM because I know what letting them go means. It means starting over again. It means sort of maybe even retooling the scheme, the player set they're bringing in. So I'm much more patient than most where most people are like, these, these wins aren't acceptable. Well, if I'm mis- not mistaken, like last year was Matt Patricia's first year as an NFL head coach in general. Now every acts like what's he done before that again, He's went to NFC championship or AFC championship games. He's won multiple Super Bowls. He's been in the biggest moment you could be in. I think he said at a press conference, they asked him about scheme. He's like, I think I've probably drawn up and dealt with more defensive schemes than anybody in the NFL the past decade. Right. So that's what he's done. He's been in those high pressure cooker moments. He's, he's been against the best competition possible. So I I don't put a win total on it. Like I was telling the big Hughes via text. I was kind of like, I'm looking at this team now and I'm not as much caught up in the record. Even people online were asking me about record. I'm like, I want this team to play really like kind of top end consistent football on pretty much a weekly basis and not even worry so much about win loss. If I can walk out of most of these games the rest of this year and say like, they, they play good football that week, you know, and not get so hung up in, in the record. Like I would feel good heading into the following year as well as, they may be another draft away, another free agent pool away now that they've done with all that dead money. Now that they're done with some of the, the other things that we've had to deal with as an organization. So I think, you know, I'm not going to get caught up as much in records as I am asking people out there the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. Do you want to start over after the season or do you want to keep going what's going even though you may be frustrated in the moment, do you think what we're building now is better than completely just scrapping it and, and saying like, if we just plug in a new coach, new GM, everything will be better. Cause I, I don't feel that. And I feel that you just gotta not only have patience, but you gotta, you gotta look at the bigger picture when it comes to getting rid of a coach and a GM and a whole environment, a whole atmosphere, a whole, um, Gosh, what do they call it? What's the word I'm looking for, Grifka? A whole um, mindset, uh, attitude, or yeah, or what do they say when they try to cu- culture? They're trying to change oh. a culture and bring in a whole new culture. Like, 
you can't not only do it overnight. Yeah, Bob Quinn's been here a little bit longer, but you can't give Matt Pat two or three seasons. And if he if he doesn't build a good culture and he has a terrible football team, then you get rid of him. But to call it in a year and a half and be like, man, if he doesn't win six more games, let's just boot him. I, I just can't subscribe to that. I can't do it. Yeah, I think the only thing I might have to say would be if we kind of touched on this last show, the defense has been pretty porous this year and they've had a couple of injuries. Guys haven't been around, but if it's a, one of those things where this defense continues to not look that good and the offense is putting up points, it might be one of those things I realize. you know, Mother Goose was one of his mentors, gave him his first job. It might be one of those hard things where, you know, like I said, Bob Quinn asked him, it's like, you need to make a change as your defense coordinator or something to, to get that turned around because at this point we were thinking that would be a stud defensive line, defensive backfield would be really good. Um, maybe, you know, the, maybe the linebackers were the weakest unit on the field, but right now the way this team is, you know, letting some other, other teams just throw up some, you know, yards on it. That would be the thing I would worry about. I don't think if, if he goes winless the rest of the year, the seat might be pretty hot, but I don't see that happening. But I would just say if the defense continues to really, really struggle, that might be one of those things where the front office is really nudging him to to make a change. So that that's that's what I would think on that. All right. Real quick, I'm there with you, but like you're the one that has the issue with the defense. I'm the guy that says our defense couldn't stop anything against the Vikings. Before that, I was having talks with friends saying Matt Pat can scheme up a defense. He did it against Pat Mahomes. He he basically uh he held Aaron Rodgers in check for a bit. He he dealt with uh, some other situations, even in Philly, went into Philly and won with a pretty good defensive uh, against Carson Wentz. So I, I'm not I'm not the guy killing the D, but I agree on Sunday it was terrible. So everybody thinks right now it's terrible. They could easily have a bounce back against these next few teams and be sitting here going, wow, they flipped the switch on the defense. Like it's ready to roll again. So let's just get that that straight. And, uh, and, and yeah, Pascaloni may have to go. I mean, how much better has it been offensively to have a seasoned uh, play caller in there? I'm sure that would happen to a defense and let Matt Pat maybe focus on some other things or what. But, I mean, we'll just see where that goes. But uh, the defense is an issue right now. Last year it was strength. What will it be next year? I have to wait and see. Yeah. Okay, um, how about we uh, take a break, listen to our sponsors, and we'll get back and uh, touch base on this this game against the ever-powerful New York Giants. One of Grifka's favorite, everybody. One of the NFL's favorites, the New York football Giants. We'll be right back. Talk all about that game. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
All right, everybody, I'm going to turn it over to Grifka. It's one of his favorite teams. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if he wants to go to the gimmick and tell you about all the other teams the NFL loves, but this is one of those teams, even though they're uh, pretty, 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 pretty uh, not, not that great right now. Yeah, this team's definitely not that great right now. But still, I mean, uh, they uh, I, I will fear them simply because they will get some calls because, you know, uh, uh, you know they are the Giants, and you know we you know we already played the Packers this year, and we saw they got some calls, and we got the Cowboys coming up, so we got to worry about them. You know, since they went and beat Philadelphia, all of a sudden they're Super Bowl contenders again. So, uh, you know, this might be one of those things where the NFL, you know, you know, you know, uh, Danny Dimes or whatever, this guy automatically has one game against an awesome Tampa Bay team, and all of a sudden he has a moniker. You know, so. Uh, I don't know about this, so uh, you might want to watch that because, once again, you know, yeah, we're playing the Lions, and it's the Giants, so Danny Dimes needs to have a great game since he looks so good, you know, the last couple games, so um, so let's jump right into this. I mean, I know we got asked to us at the, at the tailgate um, by, by one of our new buddies, but uh, what do you think about Daniel Jones And uh, what do you, at this point? I mean, I think everybody was going off the cliff for him after he came back in rousing win against Tampa Bay, but... Uh, <laughs> What do you see about what do you think about this guy? Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, uh, one of the rarities where I agree with you. Uh, I I just think people go too crazy, like with some of the stuff. Like I'm a guy who's always on this show telling you Grifka he passes the eye test. Like I, I don't need to see him for three years to know he's good. Well, I need to see him for more than, I don't know, a game, maybe two, um, you know, especially when you're talking a franchise quarterback, you're talking about giving a guy a nickname, like he's got keys to the city. I mean, Daniel Jones, I couldn't believe when he got drafted, first of all, then he came in, he played pretty dang well in the preseason. Like every time he was out there, he was throwing touchdowns and running for yards and it's kind of like, okay, but that's the preseason, right? And then he comes out and they, they do end up playing him. He has a couple of games. Okay, now you're stacking, you know, your first action along with regular season action on top of each other. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, he's just been pretty pretty awful the last few games. And that's to be expected with a rookie quarterback. So I think, you know, my up-down theory with the NFL that he's probably due to have a pretty good game. The Lions have not been put pressure on the quarterback as well as, you know, Ford field as loud as it may be at times is not a snake pit to come into when it comes to, you know, it's in a dome and it's kind of sterile at times in there. And like I said, regardless of the sound. So I mean, I could see him having a decent game. I mean, you're going to be probably pretty amazed at some of my takes here when we're talking about this game, but you know, I won't call him by the nickname, but Mr. Daniel Jones and his uh, khakis and his cart cardigan half zip that he borrowed from Eli's closet. He'll probably come in and play that boring Eli kind of football where he's pretty good, but I don't know. Somebody says it on the show. He's probably going to be, I don't know, not that, uh, not that great. Not that great. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, he'll, he'll be, I, and that's about it in this ball game. Yeah. I, just the, seeing the highlights from the last few games that teams have played against him. And he's really struggled with a pass rush in his face. And I think that's something that the Lions might have to scheme up. And I know that's generally not what they do. They generally rush the three and they'll drop it into coverage. They do that an awful lot. But, um, I mean, as you know, with any quarterback, I mean, if once a guy get, kind of starts to get rolling, you give him a little space, he completes some passes, he gets a little more confidence, he can really tear. You can really tear you up. So, I think the Lions might have to bring some more pressure this week, uh, considering the 
Giants offensive line. It's not that great. It's really not. And um, it's a, it might be something where they might have to blitz a little more to get get in his face, get him really rattled, and uh, not let him get comfortable. So um, because the biggest the biggest um offensive threat for these guys, you know, your boy Saquon, kind of rhymes with Stanquan, is uh. <laughs> He's back, and he had a pretty decent game. He had a pretty decent game for the Giants last week. But uh, I mean, we saw what Delvin Cook did to you know from Minnesota to Detroit. As, are, are you worried? Maybe you know uh, Saquon Barkley, Barkley may be able to do the the same thing. It, it's it's kind of like a Sean Griffka. You got to say it with a little respect, and it's Saquon Barkley. You got to say it like <laughs> a. Uh, a Baptist preacher. It's Saquon. Oh. Um, <laughs> this guy. This guy's got quads the size of you know uh, houses. I mean, I don't ever put Saquon Barkley's name in with Stanquan. Uh, again, Hughes's Hughes's favorite special teams coach of all time. Uh, just absolute Stanquan. He probably has a, a picture of him up in his uh, lion den still. Um, but. Uh, it, real quick on the Daniel Jones. So you said you said rush him, which uh, to me is kind of like the common theme. Like most people will say, like, God, I got to speed up his clock. Got to get in his face. Like the counter to that is keep doing what you've been doing, which is r- rush, keep him in the pocket. This is a guy that likes to run and totally disguise coverage, which I I feel like Matt Pat can can draw up against a rookie, like confuse him because it's one thing to rush him, but it's another thing to confuse him with what he thinks he sees versus what's really happening and maybe get some turnovers that way. So I I could see rushing, but I could also see like, just keep doing what you're doing with, with eight and coverage and, and try to turn this guy over when it comes to say quads. Um, the guy's going to get his. I mean, he can run by you. He can run through you. He can jump over you. Um, he's still a little hampered, you know, with his ankle, but he fumbled his way into 75 and a touch last week. So, I mean, he's going to be something to deal with. It's going to be no surprise. But my thing is the, the Giants don't just have him and nobody else. Like, people act like that's it, but it's really not. Like, I know you're probably going to get to him, but I'll just hint at him now. Like, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, you know, this rookie quarterback that can run and throw and Barkley. Like, they're not a a real big joke, in my opinion, to deal with on the offensive side of the ball. Now, defensively, I think they can be had in a couple, you know, different areas. But I can see the Giants doing some things on Sunday, especially the way the Lions are currently playing um, from a defensive perspective. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that brings me right to my next point. Um, you dropped all the names I was going to drop. I don't know. Was it uh, did did uh, Sterling Shepard? Did he have a concussion last game? I can't remember. I haven't seen anything on. Yeah, that. I mean, see if he's... I, we're recording here a bit early, but I mean, he's been out for weeks with a concussion. But he was really close. Should have kind of came back last week, and then they held him back. I I would be pretty shocked if he's not back ready to go. I think it's been four three to four, if not more weeks by this point, because I have him in a couple uh, fantasy leagues. And, and like you say to me, he's a he's like a new age Golden Tate. I mean, this guy can go in a slot. He can go outside. He can catch run. He can kind of do a lot of different things. And they paid him uh, this year. So they obviously believe in him. I think he's a good good wide receiver. Um, and, and same thing with Evan Ingram. He's been out with injury too, but it's been multiple weeks. I would assume he's going to be back ready to roll, and, and he's a matchup nightmare. And then you know GT is going to be wanting to do ballerina dances, people's elbows, uh, 
all his little dance moves in forward field against us. So he'll be something to deal with now that he's been back a few weeks and, and be, you know, running his little slot routes that he runs. So I'm just a little bit cautious in in regards to defense and just acting like, Hey, they got no offensive playmakers other than, uh, than Barkley in the backfield. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Evan Ingram and like even their other tight end, um, you know, Rhett Ellison, he, he's actually, he's a pretty decent tight end, but he's not like, I want to go sign him to be a number one tight end, but he's that good number two tight end, you know? Yeah. You know, he just I, mean I potatoes. Of, yeah. He's going to be like when it's third and five, he's going to get you six yards, you know, something he's, he's like that guy. So it's um like, like, just, like Chuck's boy, Jason Witten. Yeah. Exactly. Nowadays. Yeah. Or, or was it, uh, you know, what, five Marlon years ago. Jarwin or whatever his name is on, on that team, whatever. I can't oh, remember. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that it's, it's that guy. You like when, like when they're covering Ingram and Shepard and, and, you know, Tate, there'll be like Rhett Ellison sitting out in the flat when, when it's third and three and he'll get five yards. And, and it's one of those, like, how can nobody cover this guy? And it is because they're focused on everybody else, but Rhett Ellison, he's, he's got, you know, I don't mean to pump him up, make him sound like he's like Kellen Winslow or Tony Gonzalez, but he has like, like he's meat and potatoes. Or like Jake Barwin, when he went crazy that he had like 30, 40 yards against the Lions. Griff, are you going to be saying this this Sunday? What the hell are you doing? What do only you think if, the odds are that you utter that a couple times? Only if Jared Davis lets Evan Ingram stand alone by himself and he runs to go tackle the quarterback or whatever. He was doing. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. yeah, I would love a Grifka can to see how many times you utter that in the first quarter when something something goes haywire on us. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned the Giants offensive line earlier, and um, it's one of those things was in the offseason they gave Nate Solder big money. Um they gave money to Kevin Zeitler, you know, at guard, who was, um, you know, pretty decent for um, the Bengals. Uh, they drafted Will Hernandez. Um, he was good down at UTEP. And then uh, was it uh, Mike Remmers, the other tackle? I mean, they got some decent names. Is it just one of those things that just seems like these guys don't mesh together? Because even this year, it just seems like the Giants' offensive line hasn't been that great and um, as compared to other years. So, um is this one of those things – can you kind of put your finger on it? I mean, I know we don't follow the Giants. This is the, you know, the Lions, you know, you know, you know, Kool-Aid cast. But I'm reading these names. I'm like, gosh, how come this line's not better than, than, than what it is? Yeah, I, I think it's just been, you know, they, they paid Nate Solder big money after he was sort of a little too far down the road. You know, our um, big will there, he's got issues with uh, – He's just a big guy. I want to say he's in that 340 range. So he has, he has trouble kind of staying on blocks as well as keeping his temper, you know, where it needs to be. Just hasn't, hasn't been that dominant run blocker. And then like, he's, everybody knew that took him. He's going to be a little bit of a liability when it comes to his feet or being able to move. I just don't think they've gelled that well. You know, they, they've sort of put resources in, but they haven't really had any good picks, you know, that have panned out. You know, I think they made a trade for, Gosh, was the guy from the Raiders? He's kind of interior guard that it came in that uh, you know was supposed to help beef that up. And like you say, they they can just kind of be had when it comes to different areas of their line. I mean, the Lions have to show that though. I mean, they they really have not got after the passer too much. So, you know, is it going to be a Romeo Quara game? You know, is he going to make some splash plays and, and get after the rookie? Is uh, Flowers going to show up and get it get the quarterback on the ground, or are they going to just like I said? focus on playing the edges, keeping the quarterback in the pocket, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, whatever they can do from passing perspective. 
I'm be curious to see because I love to see the uh, D line get the quarterback down. But uh, I think you got lots of weapons to worry about in the passing game as well as a running back to worry about. So I don't know. You're gonna be pinning your ears back trying to get the quarterback when uh, when uh, two six will be coming. Uh, you know, probably getting the ball 25 times. I'd say at least. Yeah, it's like and like you said, I, I don't know what the problem is with this offensive line. I was jotting down the names. I'm just like, gosh, this team should be better. And and I, I don't know what maybe Eli was just past his prime, but he you know seemed to be a game manager the last few years, and the team was just ready to move on. So, like you said, hopefully they get some pressure in the front three, just get it on you know Danny Dimes, you know whatever. <laughs> I'm, like you said, I'm never gonna call him that either. It's just like yeah, do something first before you get a cool nickname like that. But, uh, yeah, I think the offensive line can be had. And, uh, you know, uh, if, um, you know, like Snacks Harrison said, you know, he's got to be better on the run. I'm sure Ashawn's probably, like, not, you know, he not as happy as usual self. Oh, so hold he's on. probably pretty angry. Who, who'd you say? Ashawn. <laughs> Crick, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me help you out there. Ashawn. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, there we go. Just as long as I don't run into him at training camp. Um, I, I got to do all the uh, all the gimmick voices today, or what? Yeah, cause, well, you got the what the hell are you doing out of me, so that only comes once in a while. So, Griffka, um, say uh, say Ashawn's name with respect, or he'll go he'll say this to you. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I envisioned more of the punching sound as out of coming out. He won't even say that to me. He just grab me and just start thumping me. Then I'd have so, to wait for the final kill shot. So the people will have to guess uh, if <laughs> well I'm looking for it, people. You know I'm going for it right now. Uh, next next year at training camp, this is either going to be Ashawn or Taylor Decker meeting uh, Mike Grifka. Wait for it. <laughs> it's either that or the choke slam. I mean, it's guaranteed. You know, I'm more worried about Ashawn than I am Taylor Decker. So uh, <laughs> we'll go with that. Okay, um, let's move on to the Giants defense. You, you, you mentioned there was a couple spots that could be had. Um, I think their defensive backfield got some decent players back there. You know, Jabril Peppers, you know, Michigan, uh, Janoris Jenkins back there, DeAndre Baker, Julian Love. I think their front seven's pretty weak. Um, you, you mentioned they can be had. What what do you think in the Lions can take advantage of in this game? Yeah, see, uh, like often on the show, I'm a little bit uh, different than you on that. I mean, the guys you named off in the backfield are all either rookies or, you know, Pep uh, was nothing in the NFL until this year. He's found his groove a little bit. But, um, you know, you're talking about Baker, who's a guy you loved in the draft process. He's a I'm sure he can be had. He's not the fastest guy in the world. You've got Julian Love's guy they took, who I sort of liked, who is playing safety or trying to find his way on the field. And uh, like I said, I couldn't even tell you the other uh, other people. So I think their cornerbacks can be had in the pass game. You know, yeah, they're up front. They might not have a dominant player, but um, I think that it's going to be hard to run because we got nobody, you know, unless they make uh, some kind of – well, they're not going to make a move between now and Sunday that's really going to impact that. I mean, who the heck's going to run the football? So I think you're going to be slinging it around to uh, – to again last week i said it was gonna be a kenny amandola hawk type game i mean let's flip it again to me this is a big game for kenny and i've called it a couple weeks now but i mean everybody and their brother knows it's it's time for hawk to have another big in and we're talking like 75 and a touch or two touches and or 100 and and no touchdowns you know something in that realm for hawkinson it's got to be coming so 
I, I think that's where you'll see them feature in the pass game. And, and if they run it, you know, hopefully it'll be gimmick runs because Ty Johnson and JD can do that, you know, swing them out of the backfield, pitch it to them, you know, come up with some creative uh, screen plays, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, overall the Giants D is just uh, not that great. <laughs> um, was it, I think was it, they did draft uh, Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson. One of those uh, stud front four that uh, Clemson oh, yeah. had last he's a good, year. He's a good guy. Big fellow yeah. again, rookie though, like big old body in the middle, but he doesn't know what he's doing. If we, if we pull out a couple plays so he can be had in there, but he'll be good in long term. He's a big guy that can move. No doubt. Yeah. That's like when I was looking at him, like that was the, the only name I really saw that I would like put any, I guess stock into. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, they got Dexter Lawrence, and he was good at Clemson, and what they traded like, everybody else. They got rid yeah. of Vernon and JPP a few years ago. They got like nobody, and they haven't really restocked. Who was their third guy? They got Baker, they got Daniel Jones, and then Lawrence. That was those were their first three three picks. So, huh. um, you know, like nice. I say, nobody really off the edge or anything like that that they added uh, in the first few rounds. Right, and. And the linebacker, their biggest one's going to be with the Alex Ogletree. Um, he's he's still pretty pretty good, but he's not going to make anybody you know think of Lawrence Taylor or anything like that, or even Harry Carson or Pepper Johnson on that team. So, uh, um, as for all those old Giants fans out there that know those guys, but uh, I, yeah, just uh, you're right. It's going to have to be one of those. You know, if they do run it because they don't have any power guys to really go between the tackles, obviously they're going to do that some just to try to uh, just to try to keep a defense honest. Um, I did see uh, that uh, Zach Zenner was released by this uh, by the New Orleans Saints this week. So, you know, hey, we get Zach Zenner back. He always falls forward. He's a guy, you know, that'll get you 60 yards at halftime. And at the end of the game, he'll have 62 yards for you. So uh, um, and if he had three Z's, I mean, he'd be asleep, of course, naturally. (laughs) But uh, um, I uh, yeah, I, we'll see what happens. I mean, I like I said, I think the Lions are in a pretty good groove offensively. I could see them scoring. I think I, I I'm waiting till we get to the point, Griffka, because you, you said we're gonna beat the daylights out of this team, score a bunch of points. I put out or maybe I put in my article that'll drop on Thursday. I think they could score forty against the Giants. Uh, you know. I think it can happen. I think the offense will will keep grooving. I think the D will play a little bit better and. You know, like I say, but but the Giants' offense, you just got to be a little bit worried about them. But if we hold them decently in check, I mean, we should be uh, having a better podcast next week about the Lions. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's do this. I mean, yeah, we've been talking about this. We broke down this team enough, and I know there's a lot of Lions fans like me that pretty much hate the Giants simply because they get a lot of calls and they get a lot of pub, no matter how crappy they are. They're still going to get like four Monday night games, two Sunday night games. You know, they could be like one in 15 and, you know, ESPN and ABC, and they're all going to throw these guys on because they're the biggest television market. Um, That's like the Monday night game that's coming up. How, you know, how in the hell, like who schedules the Dolphins versus Steelers? I mean, okay, I can even see the Steelers coming off last year, and they still, but everybody knew the Dolphins were going to be garbage this year in the game, Monday night game. Really? Uh, really? I mean, gosh, that, that's just one for the Griffin, really. The, yeah. uh, they got to put everybody on national TV, Griffin. I think that's a rule. So they got to well, be on it. Put them on a Thursday. Yeah, that's a Thursday night game right there. And, like, I don't even think Troy Aikman and Joe Buck are doing that one. That's going to, like, the fifth one. You know, that's like a couple people they grabbed, you know, like, hey, you want to call this game? You know, it's like, a, you know, like when you watch like Big Ten Network and they're showing like the student coverage and it's like, 
hey, yeah, this is the Rutgers basketball game. And so it's like, yeah, okay, that's what they need to cover that game. They don't need to be <laughs> using their big boys. So, um, so uh, um, let's put it this way. Like you said, I think it's going to be a butt kicking. I'm dying to know. What do you got for a final score on this game prediction? I believe this this event Lions plan on doing anything this year. I mean, making the playoffs. I can only see them maybe to playoff chance, maybe having two more losses this year and, and making the playoffs. So I don't think you can you, you can't underuse miss must win for this game. So what's your prediction for this game, Darren? <laughs> Griffka, first of all, calm down one week at a time. We don't need to be thinking about we can only lose two more. Let's just worry about this football game. Secondly, Griffka, I think it's only appropriate. I hate to steal your gimmick, but I know you wouldn't do it unless I prompt you. Griffka, it's almost Halloween. You know what that means. (laughs) That means this is one of those games where you go ahead and you punch the Giants in the face and take their candy, baby. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll pay you the royalties later on that one. but uh, like like I said, I think I put an article, you know, will the Lions score 40? You know, this would be. But I also put that uh, I think this is going to be a surprisingly interesting game, you know, on a lot of levels. Uh, Lions need it. Everybody's down on the Lions, especially after some of their transactions. Uh, they're down on the defense. I, I, I could still see the defense struggling, giving up some points in this game. So if I got to predict it, I mean, I think it's going to be – you know, a game that'll have Lions fans nervous early. You know, there'll be a lot of points, a lot of stats going up kind of on both sides. And then I think the Lions pull it out late. So I the Lions don't get to 40, but they do put up some points. So again, in this game, I'm going to go 35 for the Lions. And I think the Giants will put up 28 on this defense to where they're at right now, unless they get you know, healthy all of a sudden and, and Deshaun Hand decides to finally play and a few other guys are out there ready to rock and roll. But uh, with with trade and Q, I think it's going to hold them back. So 28 for the Giants, 35 for the Lions, big W, and then, uh, you know, heading to your vaunted Oakland Raiders after that, I believe. So um, or do they have a game in between there? Is it, is it Giants Raiders? I don't know. I One week at a time, like I said. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to win this ball game, and then they have a chance to go on a little bit of a run. But uh, I'm excited to get back on the uh, straight and narrow, get a W against this team. But it's going to be a little dicey. That's what I'm that's what I'm trying to tell the people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, the Lions are going to be able to throw up some points this game, even with um, the lack of a steady running game. We've all seen Matt Stafford, you know, put the offense on his shoulders before. I think um, was that Durbuffel is going to be able to come up with some schemes to confuse uh the, the younger guys on this uh, Giants defense. And like you said, I mean, um, Quandre Diggs gone. I don't know how happy the uh, some of the players are going to be. I mean, it's one of those things, yeah, you read their tweets and they got to realize it's a business. They they know that guys, you know, come and go. You know, this isn't like your high school team, you know, where, you know, you know like these guys are all your buddies. You got to go see them in geometry class. So um, this is going to be one of those games, though. I'm, I'm starting to really like these odd scores I'm throwing out, even though they never come to fruition. So I'm going to give the Lions like 38, and I'm going to give the Giants 23. So Lions 38, Giants 23 this week. And uh, Lions get back on the winning uh, winning track and, uh, and uh, starting to believe in themselves again. Now 38-23, Griffka, would you qualify that as beating the daylights out of somebody? Yeah. Another one of your gimmick uh, phrases. Yeah, but I'm hoping it's like one of those 38-23 games where it's like 38-10 uh, 
or something like that. Or, you know, where the, you know, and then it's like the line's like, okay, you, we'll let you march down the field, you know, because the clock's on our side type thing. And, you know, one of those things it's, it's, you know, like when, when the lines would always be behind and like all of a sudden they start like passing the ball all over the place. Cause they're down by like 21 points with three minutes left in the fourth. And everybody's like, how come this wasn't happening all game? Well, yeah, it's because the you know the defense wasn't playing you know forty yards off the ball. Okay, so that's what I'm hoping for. The Lions get to the point where like their defensive backs are just standing on the goal line, and the other team's at like their twenty, and they're like, okay, you guys just march down the field. We, you know, we'll let you guys have some yards and points because the clock's on our side. So that's what I'm hoping. Okay, for. I, I gave you a bell because that's an old Grifka bit. Also, I'm glad a fifteen point win is a uh, punch you in the face, take your candy, beat down, because you told me two episodes ago that 13 points is nothing in the NFL. But ne- neither here nor there. We've got a W for the Lions. Uh, hope it happens. It needs to happen. Like you say, there's not much room for leeway. I- I'm not feeling as great as I was earlier, but like I say, one week at a time, beat the teams you're supposed to, play better football, excite the fans with some of the offensive skill players we still do have, and uh, just tighten up this D a little bit and and uh, that'd be nice to see. So hopefully we get that this Sunday. Grifka, I, I can't believe it. We're, I don't know if the people noticed. I, we didn't do it last episode. Maybe the first time ever in the history of the show since we started the uh, the gimmick. Grifka, you got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> Might need to like, go back to Wednesday and put that in just so we keep our streak going. Pretend like we we actually did it days no, later. What but should, uh, what we should do is um we should uh not not put it in there and see if people notice. <laughs> what the people are waiting for, Griff, because in like you know twenty twenty six when you finally go, oh, actually I have a great point that I need to do, and then people will be like blown away, their jaws will be down. Instead, they just know that you've uh you're done for the day and you hit them with the nope which people like we've actually had people do the nope to us in in honor of that moment so it's it's <laughs> funny and we've also broke the gimmick because you talked after the nope when we got to get out of here so uh grifka we gotta shut the show down we'll be back uh next wednesday hopefully talking about lions dubski against the giants and uh everything else that may go down that'll be uh Gosh, trade deadline will either be either near or gone or whatever, but uh, looking forward to it. So thanks, everybody. Take care. We're out of here. Drink it in, man.